Thank you so much for these sacred moments. They don't just happen in church. They, our days are filled with sacred moments, God, where people can experience the presence of God, where they can sense through, through human beings the love of Christ for them. God, we do right now just lift up Darren and Cheryl. We pray that, God, if, if, you, if you would choose, you would just heal her. That you would just glorify yourself with her healing. But God, we're mindful also that it might be the process that you are going to use of her healing to bring nurses, to bring doctors, to bring family members to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So we trust you and we thank you that one day we will rejoice together as you, as you answer our prayers for Cheryl. And God, thank you so much for the entire Winters family. We just pray your richest blessing on them. We pray that you might grant them everything they need, God, to experience the love of God and to pass it generation by generation to one another. And then, God, we pray for ourselves as the body of Christ, not only in these covenant promises we've made today, but, God, in many others that you would lift up our eyes from the waves at our feet, that you would allow us to gaze on the beauty of your face. God, that you might grant us everything that we need to live out the Christ life in a way that winsomely draws other people to Jesus. Begin even now, would you, God, as we offer to you the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, and please be seated. Oh, would you open your Bibles uh, or your phones, uh, where, however you access the Scriptures, would you open them to the book of Philippians? The book of Philippians. Um, if you go to the last three quarters, or last quarter of the Bible, that would be about the New Testament. We've got the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We've got some of the letters of history, the book of Acts, and some of the initial letters of Paul. 
to Romans and First and Second Corinthians. Then you'll see four small books, the power-packed little books of truth, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And today, our prayer is coming from the book of Philippians. Again, while you're turning there, I would just be mindful that um, oftentimes when Paul would write a letter, it was a letter in response to something that had happened. First Corinthians and Second Corinthians are actually four of those letters kind of mashed together because one scroll couldn't hold them all. And, and, and um, responses to challenges that the Corinthian church were facing. Galatian is an is a incredible response to some very real challenges that, that um, the churches of Galatia were experiencing. But Philippians is different, where oftentimes Paul's letter will start with, with um, a, a greeting, uh, a blessing, and then, then he would get right to the hard issues. And, and oftentimes that meant rebuke. When, when he writes to the Philippians, um, he is overwhelmed with love. You see, um, when Paul went to Philippi, there wasn't one other believer there. And beginning uh, very small, he, he proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a couple people responded. And then together they worshipped and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And soon there was a whole community of faith who not only believed in Jesus Christ and as a result were saved, but, but also understood what it meant to live out the Christ life in a world that was counter to everything they were doing. And so, so they suffered greatly. Paul was beaten badly in Philippi. And, and now, years later, probably in a Roman, possibly Ephesian prison, he, he writes back to them about ten years before when they first, when they first began worshiping together. And, and, it's remarkable the emotions that the Apostle Paul expresses in this beautiful prayer. If you haven't been with us, we've been kind of studying um, extraordinary prayers. Um, extraordinary in the sense of scope and, and depth and, and the breadth of what we are praying, but, but also in the simpler sense of, of taking a courageous step beyond the ordinary. How many times have we prayed for someone who is ill or sick, and then, and then we are in that situation, right? And we realize now this is different. God is taking, taking me to a different place, a deeper level of trust, right? So Paul celebrates um, this amazing uh, faith community that he himself helped plant and that who has now sent to him to be with him in prison— uh, Epaphroditus, one of their own members, at great physical peril, he made the journey to be with the Apostle Paul and to, to bless him. Here, the, the response of a small portion of the letter in uh, Philippians uh, chapter 1, beginning verse 3. Beginning in verse 3. Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy, 
because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. That's our memory verse for today. Will you say verse 6 with me? I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Thank you. I continue, it is right for me to feel this way about you, Paul says, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Isn't that our great ambition to stand before the Lord pure and blameless, right? Filled, he continues, with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God, the very Word of God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Take these simple words on a page, would you, and make them living words, God, that guide us into truth. And Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, wow, we get to continue our journey today. We've talked about some bold prayers. We've talked about some scary prayers. We, we've talked about prayers that Jesus taught us to pray. I wanted to, this day before Valentine's Day, um, stop for a moment and... and um, camp on this one prayer of the Apostle Paul's because um, it helps us to understand how we can pray for those closest to us, right? We know we're to pray for everyone, our, our family, our friends, those we're close to, but also those who are far apart from Christ, even those who may persecute us. Um, we're called and challenged to pray for them. But today especially, and kind of sensing the heart of the Apostle Paul for his beloved Philippians, I, I, I want to just ask ourselves, how do we pray for those closest? And especially right here at the beginning, we say, how do we do it? What is, what is the posture of our hearts when we're praying for those who are closest to us? You see, sometimes the Lord requires of us um, stout-heartedness. Sometimes he requires us to stand boldly in the face of overwhelming challenges and odds, right? And believe and declare even what is true. Sometimes he just allows us to, to, to pray for those that we love and who we have such great hopes and desires for. And today, I want to ask, what kind of posture do we have when we're praying those kinds of prayers, right? I want to challenge you. Pray gratefully. Pray 
gratefully. Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Philippians 1.3. In all my remembrance. In other words, every time I call you to mind, I'm grateful for you, right? There was no church or believers when Paul arrived in Philippi. And yet now there is. There's Lydia. There's that jailer. Remember that story? That jailer that that was going to commit suicide because Paul had, had been released and, and, and Paul stayed and led him to saving knowledge of the Lord. There was, there was Epaphroditus who was a disciple of Timothy, who was a disciple of Paul, right? The, Paul made disciples who made disciples. And, and Epaphroditus made that long journey, nearly died on the journey so that he could represent the love of the body of Christ to Paul. There were, there were two women got in a lot of trouble. Um, Euodia and Syntyche, remember them? Oops. Yeah, they were right there in the Philippian church. There were so many more. You can look in Acts chapter 16 to see a lot of the story. There was, there was this body of Christ that, that gave money to support Paul. Now, Paul um, was a tent maker, so he earned his own salary um, so that he could freely proclaim the gospel. But how much he appreciated when these love gifts would, would show up from, from this church that 10 years before he had planted, but who still held him in highest esteem. 2 Corinthians 11, Philippians 4, this whole body of Christ supported him and encouraged him. These people sent a living representation to be with him in prison. It's so interesting um, that in that culture, when you went to prison, if no one supported you, you died. But if no one would bring food to you, it was not the job of the prison to bring you food. Uh, um, it was amazing the difference between our penal system now and and the one that from which Paul is writing. So you can imagine what it meant to him. And his, not only was his body starving, but his soul was starving for some human interaction. Some of us can experience that more in the last two years than we ever have before. Um, how much it meant that the church loved him and cared for him. So there were plenty of reasons to be grateful. And if indeed Paul is truly writing this from prison, it would it would be really easy for him to just sit around and feel sorry for himself, right? But he doesn't. He instead focuses on what is good. I love it when you get together in your small groups and, and, and your small group says, what are you grateful for, right? What are you grateful for? Yeah, you might have just had the worst day in the world, but you come together and, and, and the simplest form of worship, you say, you know, there, there are good things right now. Even in the midst of the trials, I'm in the midst of, um, there are good things going on as well. So, so the sweet invitation of the book of Philippians, and especially this first chapter, is to be grateful, to think about what you're grateful for. I have to confess that that's not my natural response. That's why it's so important to stay in the Word, because you'll see in the Word a model for how to live, how to love, how to pray for those you love. I have to confess that 
when I pray, it's just a, so easy for me to immediately launch into a list of the ways that God could somehow make my life better, right? If you just did this thing, God, you know, then I wouldn't be anxious about that. Or if you just did this, God, how, how, God, am I going to get um, my message done? Someone asked me this last week, um, do you ever get nervous? I said, I get nervous every week before, especially on Saturday. Um, uh, I make my family's life miserable. On Saturday, I'm just anxious and nervous. You'd think that I would grow out of that, right? No. No, I don't. So it's really easy for me to say, God, how am I going to get this sermon done? How am I going to, how am I going to make disciples of all of that who will make disciples of the city of Evansville, who will make disciples of, of even Amman, Jordan, and wherever God would send us, right? I cry out, God, would you... Would you fix the difficult relationship I'm in right now? And I usually say by fixing them, God. Would you fix them, please? Right? What if, what if like Paul, we started with gratitude instead? What if, said God, instead of crying out for the words to say, I remembered how faithfully you have provided 1,300 times in the past, right? 1,300 times, God. What if, what if, God, we silently thanked you instead of presented to you our health concerns, our financial concerns? What if we said, God, thank you that my life is sealed in eternity through baptism, through faithfulness, through the profession of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? What if we were grateful instead? Paul says, when you're praying, for those you love, pray with gratefulness. But he also said, pray with joy. Pray with joy in every prayer of mine. Philippians 1, 4 through 5. For you all, making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul says, I always pray with joy in my every, every prayer I pray. Right. Why? Because joy is, is a major theme in Philippians. We have gone before in, in depth about what joy is. It is not the same as happiness. It's not the same as pleasure. It is a spiritual dimension that comes from faithfully believing on behalf of one another, faithfully participating together in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That word participation in the ESV is, is the, the word most of us remember as fellowship, right? And I, I love using the word participation because it implies that we're active. It implies that there might not be fried chicken there, right? Um, it, it implies that there's something deeper than a potluck, right? Um, it, is, it is the sweet, intimate communion of the Holy Spirit recognizing itself in each of us. I praise with joy because of the sweet, sweet fellowship that we share in Jesus Christ. Wow. Have you ever had someone tell you, be happy, just be happy, it'll be okay, right? Didn't work, right? Um, have you ever had someone say, yeah, God promises you a life without pain, right? No. 
joy is greater than either of those things. I can't, I can't tell you to, to pray joyfully because joy is a byproduct, right, of something else. It's a byproduct of intimacy with God first. It's a byproduct of intimacy with other people. I can tell you, um, find that kind of intimacy with God. Find that kind of intimacy with, uh, with one another. I was looking over at Christopher over there. and He's in and Grandma's lap, right? And he is in hog heaven. You know? But that's such a picture of what God desires for us to be. To share in that kind of joy. It gives me so much joy to hear that there's 16 student high schoolers right now together with three other staff members on, on retreat learning about the love of God, right? And, and, and experiencing that intimacy together. It gave me so much joy the other day to, to see, and, and we never know who's going to show up at Potter's Wheel, right? So, so um, we're kind of worried this might be a low outcome. There's ice everywhere and, and a huge crew of people showed up and for three hours just loved on, two hours just loved on the the homeless. One guy that had walked, I'm sorry to get off, one guy that had walked probably ten blocks to get there in the freezing cold with a cane. Um, um, wow, it matters. It gives me such joy to see you love the, the, the world in Jesus' name. There are so many things that brought Paul joy. Pray for those you love with gratefulness. But pray also with joy, would you? But pray also confidently. Pray confidently, right? Paul says, I'm not sure, but I'm hoping that. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I'm sure of this, that he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Isn't that an amazing statement? In other words, God is not done yet, right? God is not done. Pray like God is at work, right? Pray confidently that God will accomplish that which he began to do in your loved one, right? And he's faithful, amen? He's faithful and he will do it. So pray confidently. Pray like God is at work at the church of Philippi. Ten years earlier. He began that church, and and now he's rejoicing and confidently lifting them up. Pray like God is at work in us, and pray like God is at work in you. And pray like God is not done yet. Not done yet. I marvel sometimes when I think about the transformation. Oh, my goodness. Just um, once in a while, God gives you a little glimpse. I can't look at people's faces around the congregation because it's been such a precious journey. And and seeing God deliver us from ourselves. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but he's not done yet, right? He's not done yet. Pray confidently for one another. But I think my favorite part of this prayer is this last one. Pray affectionately. Pray affectionately. Uh, we have several men's groups that meet, and and it's so cool to see the affection, um, affection, not infection, the affection that we have for one another, right? And uh, and grown men hugging each other, 
grown men praying for one another. One of those groups meets at a restaurant. And, uh, and there's several other men's groups in there. But it's so much fun when one comes in to see the other stand and give them a hug. Right there in the middle of the restaurant, right? Right there in the middle of the restaurant. Paul says, it's right for me to feel this way about you, Philippians, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers of grace with me. Remember, in gratitude, he was grateful because of their partnership in the gospel. Here, he's praying affectionately, right? Because they are partakers of grace with him. Both in his imprisonment, he says, but much more importantly than his imprisonment, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. God has given each one of us everything we need. That if we were the only one in Philippi, if we were the only one in Evansville, we would have everything we need to proclaim the gospel, to form a Christian community. Even in this brief time this summer, you know, that's the charge that God is placing you. Build Christian community. Proclaim boldly to saw you the gospel of Jesus Christ, but then help um, help the community of Christ come together. I know there's already many faithful communities there. I just believe God's going to use you powerfully, Kasalia, as you as you do that. Why why is this important? Paul says he has them in his heart, right? In other words, uh, the heart in the Bible is is not the same as we think of it. Um, In other words, he's saying, I choose to boldly hold you up, Philippians, before the throne of grace, right? Now you're saying, wait a second, it sounds, I thought you were making a case for how affectionate they were. Oh, it's here. It's here, right? Um, For God is my witness, he says, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. In in Paul's day, they understood um, uh, affection or emotion not to be a function of the heart or the will, but instead to be a function of the guts. But ESV politely cleaned that up for us. So it didn't say, for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the innards of Christ Jesus, or worse. Right? Um, But how many times have we said that? I feel it in my gut, right? Um, And so Paul is saying, oh yeah, I'm choosing to bring you before the throne of grace because my God loves you. Um, I have so much affection for you. Prayer engages the heart. But, but it's beautiful. It also engages the emotions. Not just the will, but the emotions as well. So when we pray for each other in church and small groups, through the prayer network, some of you are still praying for your five neighbors around you. Um, those are moments that we can cultivate the love of God in our hearts for one another. How should we pray? Gratefully, joyfully, confidently, affectionately. Pray like God is at work. But what? What should we pray? If if these things are the um, posture of prayer, what is the content of prayer, right? Again, Paul uh, says how he's been praying. And then he prays for them, modeling for us how we can pray. 
He says, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. You've heard that concept here. Ever increasing, right? Ever increasing. You think, well, wow, this last year has been so incredible. I've grown so much closer to the Lord. Beloved, you have no idea what the glory of the coming years as you continue to grow in the image of Jesus Christ. Ever increasing glory for you. Ever increasing love for your beloved. Pray that their love may abound more and more. Right? In Ephesians 4.13, Paul encourages the church to grow in the knowledge of the Son of God. And if we look in the themes of Philippians, of humility, unity, and joy, I think that what Paul is praying is that they would love each other more. Heavenly Father, would the Philippians fall more in love with you because they know you, right? Have you heard that expression before? To know him is to love him. To know her is to love her. I've heard that so many times at, at a memorial services. And it's beautiful, right? But as you grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, Paul is praying that your love may abound more and more as well. So pray for love. But also pray for discernment. Pray for discernment. This is a beautiful word that's not very common in our culture today, but I want to encourage you. Paul says, with all knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent. Again, he's praying for those that he loves, right? Pray that they will grow in discernment. Has there ever been a prayer, a parent of a teenager who did not pray that for their, for their teenagers, right? Oh, my goodness. Um, my teenage years were tumultuous, were tumultuous, um, um, probably because I wasn't praying for my family like Paul is praying in Philippians. And, and if, I could, if I could name some of you are smiling like, yeah, I remember my teenage years, too. Um, um, it was because we didn't have discernment, right? We didn't. Um, how many times have I said, Maddie's in the back row over there, how many times have I said, nothing good happens, Maddie, after 10 o'clock at night, right? Um, we need discernment. We need discernment. What is, what is discernment? The literal word means to test. To test, right? When you sit down and take a test or a quiz, you try and figure out what the right answer is, right? Or when you're driving place and you decide not to use your phone GPS, you're testing your knowledge of the way. I've recognized how... I've been so reliant on GPS now that my mapping skills have gotten uh, diminished, right? Or when you see that you can run a 5K, you're testing your body to see if you have the endurance. Paul is saying, let's pray for each other that we could pass the test that God gives us. We want the Philippians to test themselves and to turn to Jesus. I want us to test ourselves, to root out every last vestige of, of selfishness, of pride, of disunity, and to turn to Jesus, right? Um, Paul says, pray with love. Pray also with discernment. We need help in discerning God's best. But he also says, pray for purity. Pray for purity so that we may be pure and blameless at the day of Christ. Right? 
The word for pure in, in the Greek is a compound of two words. Um, there's so much fun in word studies because this compound is a compound of the word for son or helios and to judge or crino, right? And Paul is saying, and just like we would say to one another now, hold this up in the light of the sun, right? Hold um, I'm praying that you could be held up in the light of the sun and not found wanting. Now, pottery and stuff like that in Paul's day was was much more precious commodity, right? Someone had to make it and form it. And so sometimes when, um, when there was a defect in the pot, what the potter would do or the person would do would be to put wax in it and then, and then to maybe rub a little bit of, of clay in it, and you would not be able to tell that there was this major flaw in the pot, right? But guess what happens to wax when you hold it up to the sun, right? Um, guess what happens with little tiny hairline cracks when you hold it up to the sun? That, then you can, you can tell that there is, um, there's a vulnerability there. Beloved, make no mistake. The day is coming. And I believe soon when Christ will return and Christ will hold us up to the light to bring to light every dark aspect that we've hidden in our hearts, right? He will expose our motives. He'll expose our flaws. He'll expose our sins, right? So we need to pray for one another like like Job prayed for his children. Not just that God would forgive them their sins, but, but that God would keep them from unnecessary sins and forgive sins they weren't even aware of, right? We need to pray for each other that there'll be no cracks. And that if there's one found, anybody cracked pot, right? If there's one found, that we would boldly approach the throne of grace and find forgiveness and find healing, not for our bodies now, but for our souls, right? Yeah, how many times have we said, I, I, I've blown it already, Pastor Dale. I, there's no way in the world that I could ever be judged pure. You don't understand the grace of God. That's why Jesus came, right, to provide for you that you might not um, be held accountable for your sins. When he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for your sins. And every time, not some of the time, not most of the time, every time you come to him and cry for mercy, he is bound by his character to forgive. So pray. Pray that your beloved would come to Jesus and find mercy and grace. Last one, I promise. Fruit. Philippians says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The fruit of righteousness is a life. Righteousness is right relationships, right? Righteousness is a life that's been changed by Jesus and is bearing fruit. How do you know when a life has been changed by Jesus? When you look at it, the fruit. How do I know when that little tree in my dad's backyard, what it is? When I see an orange on it, I know that it is an orange tree. And some years it has three oranges on it. This a little tiny little bush in his backyard. And some years, it's 60 or 70 oranges. The branches are weighed down. Paul is praying. He said, you pray for your love and pray that their life would be fruitful, right? God, 
pray that they bear fruit in who they are and their identity and how they treat their family, how they, how they experience the body of Christ, how they live when nobody is watching, how they are being transformed by Jesus. You see, we can only, this is in your notes, bear the fruit of whole life righteousness if our lives have first been touched and then transformed. Touched and transformed by the fruit of Christ's righteousness. Christ's righteousness. That seed that's planted in my stony heart, right? That slowly pushes through the rock hard heart and breaks it apart, bursting forth with this beautiful flower, right? And as we reflect more and more on the qualities and attitudes of Jesus Christ, as we become more and more like him, what do we do, right? We, we, we accomplish the very last line of Paul's prayer. We bring glory and praise to God. So how should we pray? With gratefulness. Come on up, worship team. Joyfulness, confidence, right? And affection. What should we pray for our beloved? Love, discernment, purity, fruit. Why can we pray these things? We say it differently. Why can we pray these things? Because God is at work, right? We can pray this because God is already moving. Pray like God is at work. But why should we pray these things? Because God is going to be glorified. God is going to be praised as a result for the glory and praise of God. My great fear, um, and finishing with all the circumstances going on in my life the last few weeks, um, it's interesting. You would think that that would drive me to prayer, but but actually I found it a distraction. And I think I think the upshot of it is that that I relied too much on my rituals. Right? To have to be my relationship. And God kind of exploded all my rituals. He put me in a different place and a different time zone and different patterns. Right? And and he's I think he's saying to me, Dave, we need to move beyond rituals to relationship. Right? You need to live your life, Dave, out of relationship with me and not your rituals. So I want to invite you. Pray powerfully for your children. Pray for your family. Pray for your spouses. Pray for the generations that are going to come behind you. And and let me just summarize all these postures and all these all this content of our prayer. Pray. Pray the presence of Christ. Because when Christ is present, it changes everything, doesn't it? Let's pray right now. God, thank you so much for my sisters and brothers. Thank you for the sweet fellowship that we have in Jesus. Thank you most of all, God, that you invite us to experience your presence. You're here right now in in our prayers for our beloved sister, in, in, in our dedication of Christopher to you. God, in the myriad unspoken prayers that have been filtering from this place for this last hour. 
But God, would you amaze us with your presence today? Would you allow us to encounter you in such a way that we would be forever changed? And God, we will give you the praise, glory in Jesus' name. Amen.